0: I'm Zach Miller, Editor-in-Chief of Tearsheet. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with employment data platform Argyle to create a podcast series about the rising importance of employment data and how lenders, banks, and fintechs are using this data to make financial products available to more people, solving some of the challenges with today's financial services. The nature of work is changing. With the rise of the gig economy, people are taking on more gigs, driving for Uber, freelancing on projects. And that changes the way they get paid.
1: My name is Shmulik Fishman. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Argyle, a company for that has for the last four years been building a gateway to employment records. Employment records sound like a fancy term, so it's it's helpful to break that down. Um, we all have an employment record uh, with our employer. It's the information about how long you worked there and um, what your base salary is, how many shifts you take, who your manager is, what your job title is. These are all the elements that make up your employment record. And the longer that you work at, at your employer, the larger your employment record is and the more valuable it is.
0: This move to gig work presents a challenge for financial services providers that use a traditional paycheck as part of their underwriting process. And into this vacuum, New data and technology providers are helping financial services firms access employment records where today's workers generate income.
1: It's the way that you perhaps um, will be able to obtain a loan or credit card or rent an apartment. These businesses are going to evaluate your employment to extend to you credit or to allow you to lease a vehicle or rent that apartment that you want. Um, and so employment records are the foundation in a lot of ways of Western society, and, and we're helping to make sure that consumers have easy, secure, and consistent access to
0: them. Argyle's Shmulik Fishman knows a thing or two about using technology to solve big problems. At different points in his career, he's tackled ad tech and fleet management. At the heart of what he's designed and built is the network.
1: I've been infected by technology for the last 12 years. I find the ability for computers to make things easier for people, just to unlock a lot of possibilities. And I love being part of that. I feel like uh, we're making the world a better place when we build good software. And I've had the privilege of working at three different tech firms, all seemingly that are quite different, but have a string throughout them about networks. So the first company I worked at um, was called Adapt TV. It was a network that allowed advertisers to place ads on millions of websites on the internet. It was at the beginning of the sort of the ad tech boom and that company was sold to AOL. And the second tech company I worked at, I co-founded, it was a fleet management business. It was called Stratum, very different type of network. One that is physical. A ton of dealerships and a ton of mechanics are in the United States to a network. And we were helping to make sure that there was a simple way to understand what vehicles needed to be at what mechanic shop um, or be at what airport at what time.
0: In a way, Argyle is its own network, bringing together employers, their workers, and financial firms that want to access employment data.
1: It is a network of the 8 million plus employers or people who paid somebody. Um, The IRS says that 8 million people paid, uh, about 8 8 million businesses paid somebody else last year. Um, And all the consumers or all the employees in the United States that need to use their employment records in order to obtain products and services. And so my background is very much of taking complex networks with a lot of nodes in them and making them very simple for the different participants in the network to leverage and use.
0: The issue of dealing with employment data is real for the individual applying for financial services and for the firms doing credit checks. With 8 million businesses, getting at the data can be a challenge. Even handling the forms presents a big hurdle. Fishman encountered these challenges in his previous work and sensed a big opportunity.
1: At Stratum, we had a very novel problem uh, that everybody, uh, everybody experiences, uh, whether you're a business or an end consumer. We had to process applications for employment. And this form that was on the internet required you to fill out your first name and your last name and your driving history, your, you know, your social security number, upload your driver's license. I think we've all experienced either managing forms like this or, or having to fill out forms like this. If you rent an apartment, you've filled out a form that is like this.
0: It's not just users that struggle with these types of forms. It's the businesses that use them too. The manual data included in these forms means a human needed to review it creating workflow issues. And with low conversion rates on the user side, it created a scenario that Fishman calls everyone's losing.
1: This form for me was very irritating. I understood how complicated and laborious filling out this form is to an individual that wants to drive cars. And it was also a form that was quite laborious to ingest. It was, you know, it contained manual data meaning that it had to be reviewed. The conversion rates on the form are very low. We had to have a rather sizable admin team to validate the information on this form. And so it was bad for all parties involved, or as we said internally, everyone's losing right now.
0: The initial version was limited to addressing the scaling problems with these forms. He admits that the vision for Argyle started narrower and expanded from there.
1: I thought there was a better way there should be a way to automate this form. We were thinking at the time, rather small, um, how do you automate applications? If you're filling out a job application on monster.com or Indeed, how do you automate those forms, right? We want to automate for ourselves, but there were a lot of these forms that persisted. And what we discovered over time is that this form has infected every, every element of society, right? Renting an apartment, uh, filling out a, a form for credit, Getting a mortgage, it really is about form fillouts um, and about the data that comes from these forms. And so what started as a rather simple problem has become a business unto itself, or the infrastructure of automating forms or getting rid of these forms.
0: In an era of APIs and on-demand everything, the employment authentication verification process is surprisingly antiquated. It's still full of manual processes and old school thinking.
1: There are a limited set of options on how to evaluate an individual. Here's a set that we think of commonly today. You can use a paper. You can ask people, upload your pay stubs, upload your W-2s. You can use an external verification provider. And that that provider is going to call the current employer, email the current employer, maybe fax the current employer. Those are the options that are available today to evaluate somebody before you issue them the product or service that you're trying to issue them.
0: Still, there's a bias towards extending credit to the most scorable applicants. If you work in big tech, you're going to get approved for a loan. That bigger addressable market has changed the way Fishman views his company's mission. He's taking aim at the credit score.
1: I think that those option sets today don't give a fair shot to most Americans. Surprise, surprise. If you work at Google, you're going to get a mortgage for a house. Surprise, surprise. If you work at Lockheed Martin, you're going to be able to buy a car. But for the average American, for somebody that um, is making 50, 60, 70K a year, maybe less, it is hard for them to get access to products and services. And it's because... Credit decisioning is reliant on a credit score. And these credit scores are black box numbers. Why I have my number and why somebody else has their number is mysterious to all of us. And I think that we want to live in a world, and Argyle is working towards a world where businesses are far less reliant on a single number or on a credit score, are far less reliant on paper, are far less reliant on phone calls and more reliant on on looking at an individual's employment record and the data set inside of it and being able to make their own determination about whether to issue um, a consumer uh, a vehicle or rent them an apartment and not have to rely on these single-box
0: systems. Better access to employment data should give a fair shot to more Americans. By moving beyond the credit score, people will be judged more on their real-time income, extending and accentuating the static rearview mirror look. Into someone's past payment history.
1: Well, I think we live in a world that is far more inclusive and one where far more individuals have access to products and services. So the ecosystem gets much larger. And I think it's also a world where risk is reduced quite substantially. Because if we have if if a business has transparency into somebody's work and is able to have a personal relationship with that consumer and um, tailor products and services. Payback schedules uh, provide flexibility in those schedules. That's a more flexible world, a more cohesive world, a world where I think we all want to live in.
0: Fintech has focused for years at getting access to the bank account to analyze transaction history. With employment data, though, things are changing. We're moving from a vision of open banking to open finance, where more data sets are layered in to financial decisioning.
1: Fintech is a word that the industry uses a lot to describe many things. I'm not big into labels, but but people do seem to think that Argyle is part of the fintech space. So it's fine. I think that we are an infrastructure company that provides access to employment records. Put whatever label you'd like onto that. That That is is, is most helpful. Our industry has spent a lot of time making it easy to look at somebody's bank information or their finance information. Uh, How much money do you have at a specific institution? How do you spend your money? Um, How do you save your money? These are important questions, but we've really focused on that. The industry as a whole has focused a lot less on how people make their money. And that's the trend that I'd like to see and that Argyle is pushing forward with. How somebody makes their money is critically important to evaluating their, that individual's ability to pay for products and services. And I'd like to see the industry make more investment on that
0: side of the ledger. There's a lot of focus on financial institutions. That means plugging into banks or investment accounts. The data infrastructure players have primarily focused on assets and spending. That's the main departure for Argyle and where it wants to innovate.
1: We provide infrastructure that plugs into places where people work, whether that is a gig platform like Uber, a payroll system like ADP, or a, a big box retailer like Walmart. Those are places where people make money. And there's far less access into those systems. It is hard today for either a business or an individual to get access to employment information from systems like those, from entities like those. Today, it's fairly easy to get access into Chase information or into Wells Fargo information. There are many providers that do that and do that quite well. There's another set, right? There's the set of income. How do you make your money? And that is that is the part where I think a lot more innovation needs to take place.
0: When we get into discussions around data sharing, it brings up questions around who owns the data and who is empowered to share it. I asked Shmulek about his philosophy around data privacy and user content.
1: One, privacy and security should be the fundamental bedrock of how financial services work. Making sure that a user's information is private and is not uh, leaked, hacked, used for uh, in means that the consumer does not want them to be used for, has to be the core product. It can't be something that is just marketed. And that means that all of us uh, need to think deeply about security, encryption, access rights, it's one of the core tenants that Argyle builds off of. It's the reason why we encrypt everything end to end. Everything inside of Argyle's plumbing is encrypted. Um, and it's also the reason why we, we take a lot of care uh, to give consumers that interact with our products the ability to both opt out of using our system and to delete the, the access to, to a business using their data. We just think that those are core tenants and core rights of a consumer. I also think that while data privacy is, is, is critically important to the products that, that our industry builds, data ownership is, is just as important. And uh, data is owned by the person that makes it. And when I go to work every day, I make money. That's the thing I do as a worker. And that means it's my data. It's the same tenant that would be held if I wanted to log into my bank account. That's my money. And I think that businesses need to come to terms with who owns the information in their system. Businesses can be custodians of a data set without being the owners of a data set. ADP is a custodian of payroll data. They are not the owner of payroll data. The owner is the person that is making the money. The owner of the data set is the worker. I think the same can be said for Starbucks. I think the same can be said for Uber. Uber is the custodian of how many trips um, I made last Tuesday. They are not the owner of that. And so data privacy and data ownership I think are, are core things that the industry is working through. And they they both go back to the consumer. The consumer controls that.
0: At the center of any discussion about data sharing is the consumer. The primacy of consumer permissioning has become a staple of any talk about open finance. The industry is providing more and more functionality to users to control their data. Educating them, though, about how to use that permission needs to catch up.
1: Let's take an example like Facebook. How aware is the consumer? that the clicks they make on Facebook and the activities they do on Facebook, how aware is that consumer on, on how Facebook is monetizing that data? I would claim that they're very unaware. Whenever somebody interacts with one of our products, we have them opt in to their specific data. Let's say that somebody wants to share their Starbucks employment records with a lender we have a screen that says, do you want good loans to have access to your Starbucks employment information? That is, that is true opt-in, that's true consent, that is true awareness about data, uh, about that specific consumer being shared with a specific entity for a specific purpose. I think that that is good consent, good awareness. That's not what's happening broadly in, in financial services today. There, there are many different ways to provide good consent. Not every business is providing it. We take a lot of care, and I fundamentally believe, business aside, that consent is a good thing, not a bad thing, and that it's important for our products and services to be providing
0: consent. For healthy ecosystems to arise around employment data, consumer permissioning has to be pushed to the forefront. Getting access to our employment data isn't just about sharing our personal information. It's about control.
1: The vision is, is that, that a consumer is fully in control of their employment records. They get to decide who sees them for how long, at what granularity, for what purpose, and that they can turn on and off that they can turn on and off that capability when they want to. That's a long-term goal. Right now, en masse, most employment data is sold to a credit bureau, which then decides, without any consent from a consumer, how that data is used, repackaged, resold. I want to live in a world, and I think most consumers want to live in a world, where control over, over how their own data is used is with themselves. And I think that the industry should be um, spearheading that. Uh, I think that's where the puck is going. I think that the more uh, customers that use Argyle, the more our industry is going to be pushed in that direction. And so our vision for Argyle is one where we can spearhead this wave of ownership. You know, I invite more businesses to skate to where the puck is going with us.
0: It's often said about free products that if you're not paying for something valuable, you're likely the product. Some businesses monetize your information in return for giving you valuable tools, software, and experiences. But there's pressure afoot that that model will change as people become more selective with whom they share their deets.
1: There are many businesses that exist today that make a lot of money off of data not being in the hands of end consumers and i do expect that a set of companies are going to want to make it harder not easier for there to be consumer permissioned employment data access and as we get larger and provide more services to more businesses under our model i imagine that there will be businesses that would seek to make that harder not easier and so That's the part of being an innovator. That's the part of trying something new. There are people that are gonna want to keep the status quo alive and not shift to this new model. I expect that to be a spirited debate. And I think that that's the reason why we want to be very clear with the market and have clients on on our roster that believe in this way of transferring data and examining a consumer's employment records.
0: Fishman's vision for Argyle is bold. There are a lot of businesses in the U.S., way more than there are banks. And making their employees' data accessible is a heavy lift technologically. But get this right, and it's likely better for everyone involved, for consumers and financial services, as well as payroll providers and employers.
1: So some statistics. I think there's about 1,700 banks in the United States. You know, many banks store data the same way. There's variation. So there's there's a data normalization process that happens for bank data. There were 250,000 payroll service providers in the United States in 2020, says the IRS. All of them store data differently. There are no federal standards at all. The data normalization project for employment records is massive. It's one that one requires standards to be made in the first place. And then it also requires the consistent maintenance of those standards against the people that are the custodians of that data and how they might change um, how they're storing data in real time. It is a Herculean feat to make sure that regardless of if the data is stored at Target, Uber, Postmates, ADP, Paychecks, or Paycom or QuickBooks, that you get the same set of normalized fields like job titles, start date, uh, gross pay, net pay, commissions, that these fields are pushed out to a business in the same normalized way. In a way, it's the only thing that Argyle really works on every day. Beneath the marketing that we have and the use cases that, that we can be used for, What we're really engaged in every day is a massive data normalization project to make sure that regardless of how an individual platform is storing this information, it gets normalized in the cleanest way possible. That is something that we can't do alone, and we invite all payroll processors to participate in with us. Um, It's the reason why we've created OEDS.org, which is our specification on employment data. We want more people to be members of this organization because we want the best standards possible. We think we have a pretty good um, framework, but we know it only gets better with more participation. So we want more payroll providers, more employers to participate in developing a standard that we all can abide by. It's better for consumers It's better for businesses, and I think it's also better for payroll processors and and employers.
0: This concludes the first episode in a podcast series we've been running in conjunction with Argyle. To access the other episodes in the series, head on over to the Tearsheet website.